Did you know Granny McDuff now has a Patreon? You can get all episodes ad-free. Games, puzzles, calendars, and more. You can even get discounts off Granny merch. Sign up now on Patreon. Go to GrannyMcDuffENT.com for more information. Good evening, children. It's Granny McDuff, ready with a story. So make yourselves comfy, and I'll begin. Once upon a time, there lived a princess called Daphne. She was smart and kind, but fierce. There was nothing that Princess Daphne could not do. She was skilled in sword fighting, excelled in sorcery, and was undefeated in jousting. Of course, all of this was hidden from her mother, the Queen, who wanted her to be proper and well-studied. And while Daphne was also both these things, she preferred to do things her own way. In fact, it was her father who encouraged her to do what she enjoyed. But he dared not let the Queen know it was him who taught their daughter to fight, to joust, to tack a horse, to make a fire, and to cast a spell. And where there is always a spell to cast, there is also always a way to lift it. That is where our story begins. Not with Daphne. Not just yet. But in a neighbouring kingdom with Prince Theodore. Theodore was the son of King Castellon, a most beloved ruler. It was a peaceful kingdom and there was great happiness throughout the land. Prince Theodore was a most accomplished warrior. He knew it was his duty to protect the people. Every year, King Castellon would hold a festival in honour of his people. There was food and games and dancing. It lasted for three days and would culminate in the jousting competition. Known far and wide, knights came from all over to participate. But for three years, it had been almost for naught. For it was Theodore who had won every year since he came of age and was permitted to compete. He had never been defeated and it was known all throughout the land. This year, Theodore's cousin, Baldor, was to compete as well. Baldor was quite jealous of Theodore, for he had never excelled in anything like his cousin had. He had trained and trained but he never seemed to get any better. He was not at all a skilled horseman, and in fact, it seemed his horse, who was called Gerald, did not like him very much at all. Baldor could not stand to lose. And so, before the games began, he went to the witch in Widow's Wood to ensure that he would defeat his cousin. The witch's house was made of cobwebs. There was a sign that read, All ye who dare enter, beware. 
he left his horse at the gate and swung it open. <laughs> Bats flew above his head, taunting him, and a spider as big as a small pony approached. Takes courage to come to these parts, said the spider. I'm here to see the witch, Baldor replied. And who said she will see you? I can pay her handsomely, and I can offer something no one else can. What is that? I shall tell only her. The spider disappeared inside the witch's house, and then quickly re-emerged. Come, it said. Baldor followed the spider inside. There was the witch. She stood over the shell of a giant clam, and in it sat a toad. What is it you want, your royal highness? I never told you who I was. Ah, but I know everything, don't you see? Baldor grew nervous, but his jealousy kept his feet firmly on the ground. He was here for a reason, and he would not leave until he got what he came for. I will pay you in gold. He tossed a large sack at the witch's feet. Gold coins spilled out. And? I will give you invitation to the city. That would break the spell that banishes you, would it not? It would. The witch was pleased with this. Years before, the witch had put a spell on the king's sister, Alaria, and she had disappeared. No one ever knew what became of her. But they did know one thing. It was the witch's doing. And so, King Castellon had cast his own spell across his kingdom. It expelled the witch and prevented her from ever coming back, unless given invitation from one with royal blood. Something the entire royal family was forbidden to do, but none, until now, had ever dared to invite the witch back. If you will help me defeat Prince Theodore the son of the king, I will give this in return. I want to win the joust. I want to be king. If he is gone, I am next in line. Then king you shall be. The witch looked at the toad in the shell and commanded, Exonorus papalo exacto. The toad croaked, then spit out a small bottle filled with a blue liquid. The witch gave it to Baldor. Give this to your cousin, and our plan shall be put in motion. Now, sit. You are welcome in the city. To you, I extend the invitation. The witch cackled. <laughs>
Baldor took the bottle and raced back to the palace. The banquet had begun. Every competitor was there. Princess Daphne was there as well, her father too. A king himself, but here a guest of King Castellon. Daphne had been asked to dance by many of the eligible nobles. But she only danced with one man. Prince Theodore had seen her arrive and since then had not taken his eyes off her. May I have this next dance? he asked. You may. Daphne had also seen the prince at first glance and she knew there was something different about him. They danced all evening. And finally, when no one was looking, Theodore said, Come with me, I want to show you something. He led her far from the castle into the woods that seemed to glow, and they came upon a lagoon. And fairies flew all about. The glow was coming from them, they were beautiful. Hello, Theodore, they called. Hello all, he replied. Daphne could not believe it. Aren't they lovely, he asked her. Yes. They sat by the lagoon and talked all night. By sunrise, they had agreed never to be parted from this day on. But when Daphne opened the door to her room, Margaret, her lady-in-waiting, was waiting. Quite impatiently. Where have you been? We came here for you to compete and look at you. You haven't slept a bit. I will be just fine, Margaret, but you should know. I am to marry Prince Theodore. Margaret was overjoyed. I told him I would be cheering him on at the joust. (laughs) He will certainly be getting the surprise of his life when you win today. Now come, we must get you ready. Baldor had looked for Theodore all night. But he could not find him, for Theodore was not in the palace. So Baldor went to find him in his tent. Theodore was putting on his armour. Cousin, come, I have news. I am to be married. Baldor could not believe it. Wonderful news, cousin. Let us toast. He prepared two chalices, one for himself and one for Theodore. He put the potion in it and handed it over. They toasted. And it was not a second later that Theodore began to shrink. He disappeared into his armour. The other men were shocked. They lifted the armour to reveal nothing. Theodore had completely vanished. The joust had begun, and Theodore was not yet missed. Princess Daphne was ready with her horse. She had dressed as a jouster in complete secrecy thanks to Margaret's help. Baldor won his first round. Daphne too. And it continued until it was only the two of them left. Where is my son? King Castellan asked. Guards were sent. But Theodore was nowhere to be found. Daphne was none the wiser as to what was going on. She was on her horse and waiting for the signal. The crowd cheered and chanted. The king waved to the announcer. 
begin. The flag was raised and lowered. Go! Baldor and Daphne charged their horses at one another. A hit! It was Daphne. She was thrown loose for a moment, but regained her balance and stayed atop her steed. They turned and raced towards one another again. Neither hit. Then, the third time, Daphne landed a direct hit and Baldor was defeated. The crowd cheered. Daphne was the winner. But they did not yet know. Not only was she a woman, she was also a princess. In the midst of the celebration, the king worried for his son. Send men to find him search everywhere, the king quietly commanded his head of the guard. Daphne wondered as well, why wasn't he competing? It should have been him she would joust, not Baldor. Was he all right? The crowd chanted, Unmask! 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 As Daphne began to remove her helmet, the witch suddenly appeared. She stood in the centre of the ring, her staff in her right hand and her spider next to her left. Looking for something, king? The king was astonished. How had the witch come back? He had banished her and used a spell to keep her out. Only one of his family could have done this. Baldor. He knew it without a second thought. What have you done with my son? Just as I did with your sister. Your son is gone and darkness shall befall the land. Suddenly, dark clouds rolled in and covered the sun. Thunder rumbled and lightning cracked. Princess Daphne drew a sword from her belt and charged at the witch. Lightning struck between them and the witch vanished. Daphne was thrown from her horse. When she awoke, Daphne was in bed, Margaret by her side. How long has it been? Three days. Help me up, will you? Daphne got out of bed and began to dress. No, you cannot be serious. You must rest. Not while Theodore is trapped by the witch. We must do away with this evil. She must be vanquished. I, I cannot argue about that. But it is dangerous, Daphne. I will be fine. I have trained for this my whole life, have I not? Now where is my medicine chest? Margaret pulled a small medicine chest out from under the bed. Daphne opened it up. Inside were potions and spells. Good. I shall call for Leric. Echo Omni Phantomulus Brandissimus. A small blue dragon, who was rather cute, appeared. Leric, there is evil afoot, and it is up to us to stop it. We must find the witch. I am at your service, my lady, replied the dragon. Before they knew it, Daphne, Margaret and Leric were on their way. Through the woods on horseback they went. Leric flew up high 
then swooped back down to Daphne's side. I do not see it. It's here somewhere. The widow's wood holds the witch's house. It is here. Leric flew ahead. Follow, he whispered, and he weaved through the trees with the ladies in tow. Finally, he stopped suddenly and landed on a tree branch. It's there, in the distance. Do you see the light? I do. What have you, princess? I have brought Calarian, but I'm not sure it will do. Margaret shook her head. A potion that strong, milady. You must be sure with your aim. I promise. Margaret stayed behind with the horses. Daphne and Leric crept toward the witch's house. Princess, look! Look at the trees! The formation! Around the witch's house were huge trees, and they all formed a perfect circle. Daphne knocked on one of them. Hollow. And look, there's a lock. All the trees were the same. Watch your fingers! Leric spit out a tiny fireball. It burned around the lock, but then turned a deep blue. Enchanted, remarked Leric. There is something inside, though, said Daphne. Or someone. Let us find out, said Daphne as she marched to the front of the house. She pulled out her bottle of Calarian and recited as she threw it. Morphelius, Dictatum, Philophorus. The entire house of the witch seemed to freeze and with it all its inhabitants. Daphne and Leric entered slowly. The witch stood over the toad in the giant clam. The spider was frozen while in the middle of weaving a web. The only thing moving was the fire, for it was too hot for the spell to take effect. Daphne looked around the room. The witch moved. Not much, but just slightly. Enough for Daphne to know she did not have much time. There were no keys anywhere. She searched but found nothing. Then she saw the toad sitting there in the shell. It seemed to smile at her. Daphne reached for it. But just as she did, the witch grabbed Daphne's arm and let out a hideous cackle. didn't think it would be that easy, dear girl. Daphne tried to free herself, but the witch's grasp was strong. I think I shall keep you here. Terrible marcasm. But the spell didn't work. The witch's power was growing stronger. Daphne screamed. Four billion! Leric swooped in. He held a net and threw it upon the witch. It glowed gold and silver. It too was enchanted. And when it landed, it pulled tight around the witch and she was forced to let Daphne's arm go. The princess grabbed the toad from the shell and ran out the door with Leric close behind. 
and it was not a moment after they were outside that the spell broke. But another had broken as well, for it was the toad who held the key to the witch's power. The house made of web disappeared, the bats flew away, the spider withdrew. Do you have the key? Daphne asked. The toad spit out a large golden key. She went to one of the trees, put the key in the lock and turned it. It worked. The door opened and there a man stood sleeping. The next tree, a woman this time, and the next. She kept going until there he was, Theodore. Why won't they wake? Daphne cried. Leric flew about. Leric flew about. The witch remained trapped under the enchanted net. Then the toad spit something else out. It fell to the ground. The witch cried out and fought the net around her to try and reach whatever it was. But Daphne already held it. It was a small box, no bigger than the tip of your thumb. The toad croaked. Shall I open it? Daphne asked. The toad croaked again. Daphne opened the lid and a grey cloud rose from it. It quickly spread through the air and flew toward the witch. And in that one moment, she was gone, crumbled, turned to dust. All of the people under her spell woke up. They were free and they were overjoyed. Theodore awoke too. And the only thing he saw was Daphne. They embraced. And then the toad began to change. It grew and grew and took its true form. It was King Castellon's sister, Alaria. Theodore could not believe his eyes. He embraced his long-lost aunt, and she turned to Daphne. Thank you, she said. Suddenly, the clouds parted and the sun came out. It shone across the land and the people rejoiced. On the way back to the palace, Daphne told Theodore how she had won the joust. And Theodore was proud. Baldor had been caught while trying to flee the city. And with all things put back the way they should be, Daphne and Theodore announced that they were to be married. And so they were, that very afternoon. And they lived happily ever after. The end. Don't forget, you can listen to all my stories on YouTube at Granny Macduff. And now it's time to take a deep breath, close our eyes, so that we may drift off into a world of our own adventure. Good night, children. <laughs>